0: Here are your hosts,
1: Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I am Brent Wilsey, and thank you for joining us this morning. Another Smart Investing Show here in San Diego on local radio for, gosh, over 27 years. Now, if you have investment questions or want a fundamental analysis of a stock you own or are looking at buying, selling, or holding, please call in at 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866 577 2473. And as always, that'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Chase, good morning. Good morning. Crazy week this week. Uh, a lot of different things going on. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe it wasn't that crazy, was it? I mean, we're
2: starting to see more earnings reports, which yeah. is, uh, you know,. I think going to continue to create volatility, of course, but uh,
1: it, it's it's definitely going to be a couple interesting weeks here. I think. Well, I think this coming week is going to be very interesting. A lot more earnings reports coming out. We're going to be hearing from the the, the um, Senate, uh, Congress about you know what's going to happen come August first with the new stimulus plan. They're going to extend unemployment. They're going to change it. Um, how much money they're going to dole out? We'll, we'll say. Uh, So this week, I I think we could have some volatility this week and maybe on Friday not end very well is my concern.
2: And I I think the the China issue, I think, has kind of been swept under the rug a little bit Mm -hmm. as people have worried more about COVID. But I just I I think this China thing is starting to brew a little bit more. I mean, we're starting to talk about the consulates and how we don't want them at the one in Houston. They don't want us at one of theirs in China. I think we're going to continue to see some elevated tensions with China, as you know, I, I'm going to say a lot of this is their fault in, in right. terms of kind of not being transparent with the data, and, and it did originate there. So I, I am going to say that, that the U.S. and China are going to have some tensions, which I think is going to create continued volatility for quite some
1: time. Yep, and, and, and that is going to come up from time to time, I think. So uh, this coming week will be a very interesting week, and this is when you have to know your companies. And what we have been talked about, we're trying to uh, – talk to people about being careful what you own. What we're talking about right now, there's six companies that account for nearly 41% of the NASDAQ index. Now, last week, we talked about our concern on the weighting of a select few companies, the S&P 500. But now let's look at another index, again, backing up what we're talking about, uh, which is even worse, actually, than the S&P. I mean, just six companies, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet, Facebook and Tesla now count for nearly 41% of the entire NASDAQ index.
2: And, and let's think about that. I mean, it, it's like, oh, okay. But then there's over 2,700 companies in the NASDAQ index. So if you actually break down the numbers, that means those six companies equal about 0.2% of the entire index. So that means 0.2% of the entire index occupies 41% essentially of that performance.
1: That does not make much sense. And again, we talk about this to to flash the warning signs for people because things are not going to end great for a lot of these tech companies. And so and I did the same thing back in the tech boom when I was saying it just doesn't make sense. And it didn't mean the next day, like on Monday, oh my gosh, these five companies went down, these six companies went down. No, it doesn't happen that way. It will happen over time. And you're going to look back saying, Gosh, I wish someone told me about that. And that's what we're doing. We're telling you that be careful. Things just don't add up.
2: Yeah, and people talk about Tesla, and Tesla now might be able to make it into the S&P 500 index due to their profitability. Um, and, oh, that's going to be great for the stock. And, and, and short-term, maybe that, right. that helps the stock. But long-term, that is the largest auto manufacturer in the entire world. <laughs> and they just made 100, $120 million, I think it was, in terms of profits last quarter. <laughs> that's not very much if you compare that to Toyota, Right. or Volkswagen, or even GM and Ford, which are actually smaller than Toyota and Volkswagen.
1: And also, too, those profits are not from operations. They, they come from the tax credits. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, because they they, they how do get that. I things? think it was $400 million of revenue came
1: from selling their tax
2: credits to other manufacturers. Okay,
1: so if they backed that out, uh, if those tax credits weren't there, they backed that out, they would have made a profit, probably.
2: Likely, because $400 million of selling those tax credits... I mean, there—that's not really going to have too much cost associated with that. You don't yeah. have to build cars. You—you you have the tax credits from already selling those cars, so it is almost just like it uh, bypasses the uh, the income statement straight down to the bottom line. I would say,
1: and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I, I'm just sitting here thinking. To me, that sounds wrong. The government gives you these tax credits, and, it's, and instead of you using it to get people to buy your cars, you can sell them to other car manufacturers. I. I I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. It's like that doesn't seem right. Where the government's giving you money is what they're actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. So so again, I I, I we, we've never been a big fans of Tesla. I'm very happy with people it made profits on it. Congratulations. But it's a very strange business.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I I just think it's so interesting. People oh, Tesla's just different. You just don't
1: get it. Oh, okay. I, I'm gonna not get it and not buy it. Right. Good yeah. luck. <laughs> and again, and they're great cars. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to say they're bad cars, they're great cars, but the business just doesn't make sense. Speaking of this, I uh, uh, talk about serious Satellite Radio. Yeah. And I've been doing this now for 40 years, and I've seen many crazy things over the time. Uh, and, and that costs investors a huge amount of money, trying to help people understand how to, because people say the, the stock market's so risky. It's not risky because if you're doing the right things, it is not risky. If you do crazy, silly things, it is crazy. And it is risky. Uh, one thing that came to mind: I was I was um, I was working out yesterday at, at my home gym, and I, I saw Sirius Satellite Radio come across the screen at five dollars and ninety five cents. And I remember when I looked back to the hype years in two thousand, the stock back then traded above fifty dollars a share. And again, we heard I heard the same stories like Brent, you don't get it. Terrestrial radio is over. Everyone is going to be using satellite radio. It's gonna be t- different in ten years, and again, that was now twenty years ago.
2: Didn't happen. Yeah, and that—that's just the the most dangerous thing people can say. It's different. Well, it is different this time, but we always say it is always the same because what we <laughs> what we mean by that is you have a different scenario. Essentially, it's gonna be a different company. It's gonna be a different, you know, cause. But the outcome is always the same where people are going to lose money because they didn't understand what was going on there.
1: Right. right, And, and it's just something that you have to kind of look at. And, and and now you look back and how silly of a statement that was, that satellite radio is going to take the place of everything. And actually, I'm even more concerned now. And I didn't even think back in, in 2000 when they talked about satellite radio. We didn't know about it. Uh, Pandora and what Spotify and these other uh, ones that I mean, and, and again, how easy it is to download music. Uh, iTunes—that was even thought of back in two thousand. But it was going to be like satellite radio is going to take everything. And what I try to tell people is that you, when you're betting on the future, you know the future is going to be different, but you don't know how it's going to be different. And to bet all your money on one thing, like a, and again, like a Tesla car—that they, oh, they're going to take over the, the whole electric world, so to speak. Back then, it was like, oh, satellite radio. They're going to take over all satellite radio. You, you don't get it. Things change, and you don't realize it until you've gone through it.
2: And sometimes, I mean, it does pan out. I don't want to say that I 100% know that Tesla won't be there in 10 years. Just statistically speaking, the likelihood of that is is not extremely high because, as like you said, new competitors come in. I mean, yeah. who would have thought back when Sirius was going through that tech boom and, wow, this is going to be great and so forth? Like, like you said, who would have known that Spotify was going to come about? Yeah. Spot of who? Yeah. yeah. iTunes. <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought of iTunes coming about? Yeah. And remember iTunes back several years ago paying 99 cents a song. That was just what you did. Yeah. Now that's not what you do. Now you, you do the music subscription. Things are always changing and who knows, maybe electric cars aren't the future. Maybe there is another type of transportation that's going to be out there, you know,
1: 10 years down the road. All of a sudden, Tesla becomes completely worthless. Yeah, it's just very—it's a very dangerous game. It, very dangerous, and that's why you—you you are speculating, you are gambling on the future of some business that sounds great, but you don't have a crystal ball to show you what's really going to happen in the future. So you got to be careful of what you pay for things. Uh, one thing I like here was the the um this past week we looked at the toy industry, and and it's been a major winner. Uh, during the pandemic because of what's going on is that you know parents been forced to keep kids at home it appears they've been spending more money to keep the kids entertained i mean i i don't have young kids anymore i mean my youngest is 17 but i've kind of visualized when i was you know uh having you guys when you're like you know 8 10 12 years old uh, even younger that, that's gonna be a nightmare having kids there 24 7. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not going to play with their friends. They're not going to school to
2: meet yeah. other kids. It's, it's You do have the, uh, the increase there that, that we've seen for, for parents. I mean, the, the ones that have done well as well is uh, you look at the outdoor items, especially in June, like water toys, playground equipment, that actually increased 19%. And, of course, hotter times, well, you can't go to the community pool necessarily. Some of those are closed, so I guess we'll have to get a little above-ground pool or something. So, I mean, (laughs) that is one industry that has benefited from this. And the other thing, too, we looked at was three strong months of toy sales for items such as building sets, puzzles, and games. In March, sales for these items grew 16%. April, sales increased 22%. And in May, sales were 37% higher. So, I mean, this industry has <laughs> done phenomenal
1: during the pandemic. Yeah, there's people you can see each month, people, uh, parents like, I'm getting more frustrated, more frustrated. Okay, uh, wh- what can I do? i got to buy more. i got to buy more. So, it is kind of interesting. Uh, we didn't look at uh, the only two game makers like uh, Mattel and uh, Hasbro, I think, are the only two that are yep. public fact can pick up.
2: I, I did just pull up uh, Mattel. Maybe if we have some time later, we can look at those two stocks as well. But uh, looking at Mattel, the, their current price is like $11.34. I mean, they are far off that 52-week low, $6.53. 52-week high was still fourteen eighty three. But I think as this news has kind of come out, maybe they're they're benefiting from that. The only thing about this that, that scares the heck out of me is their debt-to-equities, 1,900%.
1: So that's quite strange. Yes. Yeah, so, so is their debt extremely high? Is their equity extremely low? Uh, they used to pay a very hefty dividend. They paid it once a year, I believe, in November, I think, is when they paid it, I believe. Is dividend yield is 11.4%. <clears throat> wow. That, that's pretty high. And I know that their big thing and their big problem was actually uh, Barbie, the Barbie dolls, because people stopped, or kids stopped playing with, with dolls. Uh, so that kind of hurt them somewhat. But I, I don't know the other games that they have. Uh, well, let's open the phone numbers here for your... Because you got a company, we call them companies, equities, stocks, that you're looking at buying, selling, or holding. You want to have a fundamental analysis of that. Or you have general investment questions as well. Uh, give us a call, 866-577-2473. And again, that's 866 577 two four seven three and chase also too if people you know like the information we talked about you know the six companies satellite radio the toys and so forth uh, we do these throughout the week for people that can actually follow us on um, facebook and just go to our group page uh, smart investing with brent chase will we do a couple of posts a day uh, very quick post to give you some great information about what's going on uh, we have people that say yeah I, I read it like every two three days uh, somewhat, you know, wait for it because with the group page, you're actually notified when we do a post for you. So again, go to Facebook, uh, Smart Investing with Brent Chase. We'll see it's free. And we do always post different things for you to try to make you a smarter investor.
2: Well, speaking of Facebook, uh, we actually did another post <laughs> on them this week. Uh, that's one of the high flyers that, that, that we are a little concerned about. And I'm especially concerned about the company because these other businesses are cutting advertising mm-hmm. on Facebook. And the latest one, this one's, a, I think, a, Big, big one is Disney actually said they're going to be cutting their spending on Facebook and Instagram as part of the ad boycott.
1: And Disney was what their number two advertiser. I mean, so they're they're not some small advertising a little bit. They're they're, uh, Disney's uh, Facebook's number two advertisers and all these boycotts and so forth. It's really hurting the advertising for uh, Facebook. But it's not hurting the stock. The stock still continues like, oh, this is not a big deal. And I I don't get it when you start losing revenue, why this does not change?
2: Oh, and the crazy thing is, you said number two advertiser. That was number two advertiser in 2019. Yeah. For the first half of 2020, they were the top advertiser. Oh, they were. Okay. I well. mean, you got to think Disney does have Hulu now as well. So right. you know they're kind of advertising that. I'm sure they're advertising their Disney Plus platform. They're 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 a big big dog in this in this advertising world online. And for them to back out, it was crazy because the stock actually was up on the news. Yeah. I was like, how does that happen? <laughs> and then Facebook was up over 18% during uh, for for 2020, even during all these ad boycotts. It's like, I don't care how many users Facebook has. If nobody's advertising on the platform, then you're not going to make any money. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, 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 and it, it just makes no sense. And I, I guess what people are thinking that maybe they will come back quickly and perhaps as it goes one month, two months, three months, six months, Maybe that will kind of change things to where it will start affecting the stock. So it's just brand new, and people say, "Oh, they're not going to be gone that long." So, but the thing I was just thinking too is that Disney doesn't have a lot to advertise because they don't really have. I mean, they've got what one theme park open. I think they're still open in Florida, right? Uh, I believe they just reopened recently. Re- reopened, but the one in in, in California is not. Um, they have no movies coming out because movie theaters are closed. Uh, what would they be advertising? Still, still Hulu.
2: I mean, Hulu, okay, yeah. to, to sign up for that platform, I, I believe that's where they said a lot of their advertising was
1: going was the the Hulu to get people to sign up for that. Right. Okay. Well, I, I guess that uh, that would be something you can advertise, but yeah. it, it, it almost like, eh, we don't have to really advertise uh, movies. So maybe it's like, eh, we can pull back a little bit for now. So, alrighty, phone number is 866 577 Two four seven three. Now, one thing people may not realize, or maybe they are realizing, different phone number than what we've been using. So you got a new phone number here. You might be trying the old number. Don't do that. Uh, the new number you got to use is 866-577-2473. And as always, that gets you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Uh, Let's talk about, uh, and again, actually, was on the front page of uh, Barron's this morning, about electric trucks. And is it going to be something that's going to be a problem down the road? Because everybody's thinking, oh, this is going to be the next Tesla. Well, Nikola, a few weeks ago, uh, we we warned about a few weeks ago. And today we see how quickly a stock price can fall um, after the company filed for a new stock offering with Deutsche Bank. Uh, warned more selling could be ahead with early investors now able to trade their shares. So things are changing for them. And I believe I saw them actually on Friday drop another, I think it was like 4 or $5 down to about 29 That's correct. Yeah. And that 4
2: or $5 drop, that was actually about a 12% decline. So, I mean, that was quite large. And now from that 52-week high of $93.99 where, oh, this is the future, even though they don't have any book sales yet. This is going to be the big next big thing. Well, since that that kind of hype has fizzled out, the stock is now down about 68% from that 52-week high. And that's, I think, a two-month time frame. perhaps. I mean, that, right. that's a huge loss. And people that, again, get sucked in, you don't know where the hype's going to end. You don't know where that momentum's going to stop. Yeah. Things can get very, very crazy. Don't get sucked into the crazy.
1: Stay away from Crazy. Stay away from crazy. Stay away from crazy. Everything. Crazy is yeah. never good. You know, I mean it, it makes life kind of interesting sometimes, but crazy is never good. So you gotta be careful with that. So uh, but but also too, what what is crazy is that they have no they had sales, right? No, no sales. No, no sales. Okay, so not even no earnings, but no sales. So already phone numbers eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's 2473. Let's go up to Temecula and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Investor Show, Brent and Chase. How can we help you?
0: Hey, Brent. Hey, Chase. Good morning. Uh, you know, I've been looking at uh, grocers of late, and most of the big guys are, are just overpriced at this point in time. So I've been looking at some of the smaller ones, and I've come across one, uh, IMKTA. It's Ingalls Markets. And uh, just wondering what you think about them. Uh, they own some of their own real estate as well, which was was pretty good, and I just think there are uh, might be a good value to play.
1: Okay, and I've never heard of uh, uh, Ingalls Market either. W- where are they located?
0: They're—they're they're back east, uh, actually, uh, somewhat in the south, um,
1: uh, Alabama, uh,
0: Tennessee, I think, and Arkansas.
1: Okay, all right. Well, let's take a look at uh, Ingalls Market Incorporated, symbol as I M K T A. Uh, we do see a great start here, John. The P/E ratio is nine. Well, below the industry at 24. Price to sales is good too, 0.19 versus 0.5. Price to book value, 1.2 versus 10.5. And price of cash flow is only 3.9 versus 10.9. So that's great valuation ratios, good start here. Uh, I do see you get a a decent dividend, 1.6%, and they only use 13% of the earnings to pay that out. We do see that uh, they had sales growth the year over year up 4.9%, not quite as good as the industry at 5.2. Earnings per share growth looked very good, though, up 34%. Industry was up 43%, but still I like seeing that type of earnings growth for a company. Uh, current ratio 1.9, better than the industry, 0.9. Debt to equity, this is at the top of my risk level. It's 120 uh, versus 97. What you want to do here is you want to make sure that the debt is not rising hopefully have good cash flow to pay the debt down because I would not want to see that debt go much higher. That could become a problem. Return on equity looks good at 15.4, not quite as good as the industry at 19.4. Net profit margin, well, that checks in at 2.4 versus 2.1. And for grocery stores, that's always a very low profit margin. But again, they're, they're doing better than in the industry here. Receivable turnover, 56 versus 52. And inventory turnover, 9.7 versus 10.1. Chase, do we have any earnings on this company at all?
2: Yeah, well, one thing before I got, got, get into that, I was thinking about the uh, the debt level. Uh, if, you know, Johnny said they, they own a lot of their own real estate. One thing that, that I'm curious about is how much of their assets is actually real estate. Because if they own a lot of that real estate, what happens is the market value necessarily isn't always reflected in the balance sheet. They could be depreciating those assets and they could be worth more. Uh, no, I don't want to, you know, give them an excuse necessarily to have a high debt to equity, but uh, that, that is one thing I would want to understand is how much of that comes from real estate and, and what does that real estate picture look like uh current price here is forty one dollars twenty one cents fifty two week high forty nine dollars and fourteen cents and that fifty two week low thirty dollars and twenty four cents now here's the big problem john the market cap eight hundred and thirty four million dollars I guess that's not really the big problem the big problem is there's no analyst there's not hmm. even a buy hold outperform underperform sell there's no analysts analyst on that no targets price from analysts which is quite quite weird And then, of course, there's no estimated earnings going forward, which is always quite concerning. So this one, I think it looks interesting because the value is there based off the trailing years. But my problem is how do we look at it going forward? What does competition look like? Are they able to compete with the big dogs in terms of you know the technology and and actually keeping up with uh, that competition there? So it, it's it's definitely a risk. The value, as I said, I, I think the value component's there, but it, it's always a little concerning with no analysts. And
1: and, and John, I was kind of looking at it, too. I, I thought there's something wrong on my screen because it's like, well, why can't I go down? There, there's no <laughs> analysts there. So if <laughs> if you do invest in this company, you got to do a lot more research because you you get no guidance from any analysts about what they think the earnings are. So you have to understand the business really well. You, you, in my opinion, you have to be a very uh, astute when it comes to financial statements and a lot of reading about the business and understanding how their stores are doing. Uh, so I, I, you could have found one because the, the valuation ratios look great, uh, the earnings, you know, on the past are great. But you got to be very careful because y- you could have a storm ahead and not even see it because no one's here to help you. All righty.
0: Yeah, great. Thanks. And uh, yeah, the other one I was looking at was WMK, and they're, they're in the same situation. They've got nobody following them either. Yeah. Uh, Weiss, uh, Weiss Markets, also back east. Uh, okay. So, but they're small players. But thanks. I appreciate uh, the insight.
1: Okay, John. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Uh, take care. Bye bye. All right. That does open the phone line 866 577 2473. Again, that's 866. 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. And Chase, one thing too, I just you know told uh, John to do a lot of research and you know really look deeply into it. That is why we do our workshops now webinars until we can. I can't wait till we get back to meeting people again. <laughs> I, I I miss doing them in person, but uh, that's why we still do the webinars. We have one coming up on Thursday, August thirteenth. And again, you're going to learn all about the fundamentals. We're going to talk about what you should be looking at and and how to dig deep into these and and the financial statements. We're not going to make you an accountant, but we'll help you understand what you should be looking at. Um, Also, too, how to invest during a volatile market and investing to build wealth and get you to that goal you want. Many times, retirement, how can I retire? These are things you do. We go over all things you should be doing. And you know, it's funny, Jay. So we always do this one that's very popular the 19 Thoughts to Trading. Uh, but that's one that people really love and it teaches people uh, a very good lesson. So we have a lot of things like that. It's about an hour and I think five minutes, hour and 10 minutes, I think is the length of the webinar. But what you got to do, you got to sign up. It is free. Uh, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. Again, that's smartinvesting2000.com. Uh, the webinar runs all day. Uh, but you got to sign up to be there. So, again, smartinvesting2000.com.
2: You know, it is funny uh, talking about the 19 thoughts. Uh, I, I did a presentation last week uh, via Zoom, not in person, unfortunately, uh, with the Builders Association, the ygen group. Uh, so the, the millennials, kind of the, the younger people in, in that association. Uh, but did that slide, and I kind of said, you know, a lot of times it's people that have been investing for a while that have had these thoughts, you know, because they've tried the trading. and. Right. I was surprised i actually talked to one guy after the the presentation he's like no i i yeah it happened to me too <laughs> <laughs> so it, the trading it, it can work for a little bit but then all of a sudden you start to second guess it so i mean it's almost worth it to watch the webinar just to see what those 19 thoughts are <laughs>
1: yeah i know I know, that's great so um and the other thing too i mean people don't realize that we, we actually do go out a lot. well not now we're, we're doing more by zoom but we go out and speak to, to different things on the economy on investing and so forth so, so we do that for people so if you do have a Uh, We've done investment clubs. We've done other things as well to go out and speak to uh, people, which, again, may be by uh, webinars now. But uh, we're there for that. So if you want that, uh, always give the call at the office at uh, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. And talk to myself or Chase, and we'll come out and speak to your group there. All righty. Let's go back to the phones here. Let's see. We're going to go, go out to San Diego and speak with Ed. Ed, you're in the Smart Invest Show Brent Chase. How can we help you?
3: Hey, I have a question on BP, British Petroleum. They pay a 10% yield, if I'm correct, correctly reading my phone, yet I think their earnings are, are, are off, uh, negative. The question is, is it obvious that they're They're a candidate to cut their dividend, British Petroleum? Am I missing something? Can you educate
1: me? You you, you know, it's so smart that you look at that because that's what a good investor should be doing, is looking at things and saying something doesn't look right. I have questions here. So let's go over all the fundamentals of British Petroleum. Uh, Unfortunately, it's a PLC. It's a uh, London-based company, so I can't compare the S&P 500, but we can go over the numbers to see if it makes sense. So uh, coming again is uh, BP, uh, PLC. Uh, we do see that no P.E. ratio. last 12 months, they have no earnings. Price to sales is 0. 0.28. That is positive. Price to tangible book value is 1.3. That's, that's okay. And price to cash flow is 4.8. Now, I see the dividend you're talking about is 10.96%. But we want to look at the dividend payout ratio. How much of their earnings do they use to pay out that dividend? Well, it's not material because they have no earnings. So, therefore, what they have to be doing right now is borrowing money to pay out that dividend and what you have to think about how long can they continue doing that and you're right before they cut the dividend let's look at some other fundamentals here we see sales are down 8.5 percent oh my gosh earnings fell by 133 percent current ratio one debt to equity 89 so fortunately they're not in a high debt situation now but if you keep borrowing money the way you're doing and not making money you could put yourself in a difficult situation uh, return on equity is a negative 3.5. Net profit margin a negative 1.18. So, again, they are losing money. Uh, Receipt turnover is 13. And inventory turnover 14. Chase, have any earnings going forward on them?
2: Yeah, well, current price here for BP, $3.81. The 52-week high, $7.11. And energy has just had a hard time during the pandemic mm-hmm. with people traveling less, flying less. Uh, people's driving seems to be picking back up again. So hopefully that does help the, the energy market a little bit. But then that 52-week low is $2.85, so it has climbed a good amount off that low. Now, positive here, Ed, I do see going forward in December 2021, there's 16 analysts, so there's a good amount of analysts. so it always gives me a little bit more comfort. And that estimate for earnings per share, $0.29, cents, so they are estimated to still make money. That would give us a target sale price of $4.70. So that looks good compared to the current price. Uh, the, the range between the high and the low is... is pretty substantial it's 46 cents is the high eight cents is the low but i did want to address your your dividend question as well one thing that happens with these energy companies is as energy prices decline they have to do what's known as a mark to market so they have to write down the oil inventories that they have or any energy related inventories on their balance sheet that's not necessarily a cash flow problem it's it's more of a, a write-down and I don't want to it's a non-cash expense so it, if they do have good cash flow, they may be able to maintain that dividend if things do turn around here. And also, too, I, I
1: did look at the um, uh, cash flow statement for you. Uh, the first quarter of the year, they did have positive $952 million in cash flow. All of last year was $26 billion of positive cash flow. So they do have cash flow coming in, which may help them make it through this difficult time. But you still want to be very careful with this one here because if they do have to cut that dividend, you can rest assured that stock will fall and they will cause you problems. All right? All right, thanks. Okay, yeah. thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Jennifer. Jennifer, you're in The Smart Vegetable, Brent Chase. How can we help you
3: Hi, guys. Um, Since you were talking about electric trucks a little bit earlier, I thought I would call in and um, talk about the other side of that, which is the charging infrastructure. And so Blink is high on my radar. I work actually in this industry, so I'm aware of lots of of contracts that they've won across the United States for implementation through all the utilities. And I don't know if you know this or not, but there are mandates, federal mandates, to by by twenty thirty five, for in California, uh, there needs to be three hundred thousand electric trucks on the road.
1: Oh wow! How many three hundred thousand electric trucks?
3: Yep, and that's just wow. California.
1: That's just California.
2: There, I'm assuming 15, we're we're probably the highest. Just, <laughs> just 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 guessing.
3: Yes, yes, yeah. But there are fifteen states currently that have legislative mandates, and that's only going to increase. There's climate action plans and things like that globally.
1: And Jennifer, I like your thought here because it's kind of like what we always talk about Uh, in in the gold rush. It wasn't the gold that made the money. It was the picks and shovels. And what you're looking at is not the electric vehicles, but that they had to be charged somewhere, correct?
3: Yeah. there's tons of manufacturers that are going to make these trucks with the mandates. But there's only a handful of of hardware to charge them. And to my knowledge, is the only one besides Tesla that's currently public. So it's a it's a in my opinion, I already own. A lot of shares, but um, I, I definitely think that this is it's, it's super affordable right now too.
1: Okay, well, let's take a look at the Blink Charging Company, symbols is BLNK. Uh, unfortunately, at this point in time, they have no earnings, so no PE ratio versus 35 for the industry. Price to sales very expensive, 54 versus 2.3. Price to book value 42 versus 2.4, and No price to cash flow, so not cash flow positive. The industry is at 8.8. They do not pay a dividend. Now, their sales are up year over year 31% when the industry was down 0.9. However, earnings per share fell by 131% when the industry was up 31. Great part here, Jennifer, is their balance sheet. Current ratio 1.4 versus 0.8. They're very liquid. And also, too, their debt to equity is 0.22, almost nil. Compare the answer 130. This gives this company, because this is a growth company, you're not going to get a whole mm-hmm. lot going forward at this point in time for sales and earnings, but you've got a great balance sheet so they can weather the storm. Uh, return to equities of negative 111, net profit margin of negative 307, Receivable turnover is 14 versus 7, and inventory turnover 1.6 versus 3.9. Chase, do they have any earnings going forward yet?
2: Yeah, well, looking at the current price first, $6.73, 52-week high, $8.50, and then it's done well off that 52-week low of $1.25. This is still a very, very tiny company. Uh, $189 million market cap is actually what we're looking at. Um, But going forward, unfortunately, still no earnings. Uh, Looking at 2021, estimated to lose $0.22. As Brent said, I mean, this is a a, a, a growth company. It's not what we do, which is the value investing. Uh, fortunately, I think this is one you could gamble on a little bit more since they do have a clean balance sheet. That, that gives me a little bit more hope there. Uh, not something that I would invest into, but eh, might be worth a little bit of a gamble here.
1: Yeah, it doesn't really fit our philosophy, but and also too, by the way, there's only one analyst. So, so you're, you're kind of by yourself around this, Jennifer, but <laughs> I, I think I think your concept is right. Because what could happen? We, we know electric vehicles are coming. They need to be charged somewhere. Perhaps, and I'm—that's I'm, not a prediction. I'm saying perhaps in ten years this company could be trading at sixty dollars a share. You could make a huge profit on it. But again, yeah. what could happen? They may not make it, and then somebody else takes their 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 lunch, and they end up doing it.
2: And I, I know, like as you mentioned, Tesla is building their own network. I don't know if the other autom auto manufacturers are going to go that direction. I think it can be quite costly, obviously. So Blink could figure out that 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 uh, void in the market there. But if the other manufacturers do go that way, then Blink kind of becomes irrelevant. So uh, just some things. I mean, I haven't done as much research as it sounds like you've read on the company, um, but, but just kind of looking at some potential problems down the road.
1: Yeah, it's one that I think you are definitely want to hold long-term, and you're probably going to see some crazy things. But if this company makes it, you'll make some huge profits. All righty?
3: Yep. Okay. Thank you.
1: Thanks for calling, Jennifer. Have a great day. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. And before I go back to the calls, you want to talk about the workshop coming up, which is now a webinar coming up quickly. It's going to be August 13th. At that webinar, we're going to show you and talk about all the numbers in more detail what we're talking about here on the radio show. We're going to go actually to the financial statements, talk about the financial statements, show you where these numbers come from, talk about those numbers. Also, to talk about other traps, investment traps you can fall into that can actually make you lose money. I mean, We do this one thing showing that the average investor only averaged about 2% per year over the last 20 years because of mistakes that they made not realizing they were making a mistake until, unfortunately, it's too late. And we try to avoid those mistakes for you to show you what could go wrong. So free web- webinar, August 13th, available all day. Register at our workshop or at our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. All right. Let's go back to the phones, as promised. Let's go to San Diego and speak with Aaron. Aaron, you're in the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you?
0: Hello, how's it going? Good. How you
1: doing?
0: Good, thanks. Um, so I had a, actually had a question about a retirement fund. Um, I'm a federal employee, mm-hmm. and um, just learned that they offer us um, a Roth uh, version of our TSP. Mm-hmm. And originally, I had all of my all of my uh, retirement into just a traditional. And so I decided that, or thought that it'd probably be smart to switch it over to the Roth version of that. And what I guess what I'm wondering is if I should leave it at that same percentage. Um, before I was at 10% of that and I'm wondering if maybe I should leave it at 10% or lower or, or just, I guess really your guys' uh, thoughts on that in general.
1: Uh, 10% of your pay you're putting in or 10%? Uh, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I mean, they match it and they match it. I mean, I I, yeah. I, I tell people if you were to put away, you know, 10% of your money every, every single year and you had the match, you're going to have a fantastic retirement and don't ever take from it. Um, right. Also to Aaron, you sound, you sound younger. How, how old are you? Uh, I'm
0: 35.
1: 35. Okay. Yeah. So to me, you're young. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, so that's a great thing. Um, we do like the Ross. I do have some concerns. I'm Chase. Yetta.
2: Yeah. I was going to say too, but the, the other thing, uh, before we kind of get into the concerns on the Roth is, uh, I don't know if you've already started this, but one thing to, to keep in the back of your mind is 10% on a Roth versus 10% on a traditional is going to be different in terms of your cash flow because if you're putting that money into the traditional you're going to take home more pay because you're getting that that tax deduction with the Roth it's just after tax obviously so it, it might hurt your paycheck a little bit just one thing to to consider as well
1: and, and okay. my concern is because you are younger and we do see our debt for the federal government rising not going to happen tomorrow next year maybe not even 10 years but I do worry down the road 20 30 years perhaps the government is going to say, wow, Aaron, you've done a great job on your Roth. You've accumulated almost $2 million. We're going to let you help us pay this tax burden down because (laughs) you've done so well. And people say, well, they can't do that. It's tax-free. Well, they do the exact same thing with Social Security. So that's my only concern with younger people that down the road, 20, 30 years, the government can come back and say, you've done such a great job. You're now wealthy. We are going to start taxing that Roth through the special worksheet that you get to do. so That's my only concern. <laughs> wow.
2: and, and and one other thing to point out too, Aaron, is uh, I, I generally like to look at the tax rates when, when you're saving money into a, a Roth versus traditional. So, I mean, if you're in a higher tax bracket, a lot of people underestimate what their taxes are going to look like in retirement. It's actually lower than most people think, oh, I'm going to be in retirement and my tax is going to be so high. You know, you almost have a decline in taxes when you hit that retirement age. So if you're in a higher tax bracket, we always kind of say it's better to take that tax deduction now. Now, if you're in that uh-huh. 10 to 12 percent tax bracket, then the Roth definitely makes sense because that is an extremely low tax bracket. And you know, as Brent kind of said, I, I do think taxes might have to increase <laughs> down the road, unfortunately. But um, that that is going to be beneficial to save some Roth at that level maybe you do a combination of the two roth and traditional I, I know i do have both of those types of accounts when i, when I save for my retirement
1: and, and also okay. uh, and also too aaron we do have we're unique in our, our firm will asset management we have a certified financial planner who is strictly on I, I pay i pay him a salary he's strictly on fee he does not sell any product at all He's somebody that he actually has like a retirement thing to kind of look at. If you want to give him a call at the office and sit down with him, the first consultation's free. This might be a great Here. time to kind of look at that. Uh, our, our office phone number. Do you, you got a pencil and paper there? I do. Yes. Okay, it's eight five eight. Five four six. Okay. Four three o six. His name is Harrison. Uh, give him a call and see what he can do to help you out because you're at the perfect age to start saying, okay, I've got, it's going to go quick. I'm telling you, I, I can't believe I'm 64. <laughs> I, I thought I'm right. still, I still feel like I'm 30. So, <laughs> but yeah, give, give him a call. And the great thing about uh, our firm is that he is strictly unbiased. He is there to listen to you, not sell you insurance or annuities, but to do what's best for you. So give him a call. All righty.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. That's a huge help guys.
1: Well, good. And don't be a stranger. We'll talk with you soon.
0: Okay, sounds
1: good. Bye bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 866 577 2473. Again, that's 866 577 2473. Let's go out to Ranch Bernardo and speak with Todd. Todd, you're in the Smart Vesture Brent Chase. How can we help you? Out?
3: Oh, hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I on the heels of your discussion regarding uh, the, the tech stocks and uh, the concerns you guys voiced I, I can't understand why I wouldn't be well served to be in like a an ETF that's tech stock like qQq uh, as an example but you know if there's if there's any drawback I can't seem to wrap my head around why most wouldn't think that's a good or a wise choice because it kind of covers your bases well you guys know but if you could comment, or why wouldn't the average investor just find you know, ETFs like QQQ to be the place to be? I'll sure. hang up now. Thanks.
1: Okay, sure. All right, so so let's talk about that. Uh, and, again, the QQQ is the top 100 or 100 stocks on the NASDAQ. Uh, you, yeah. You, you, yeah. And, and and the difference why you'd have to actually look to see what those 100 are, because maybe you have the same situation. We talked about the NASDAQ to where it was at 40%. Uh, the NASDAQ is made up of, of six companies. So you'd want to look at the NASDAQ or the, the QQQs as well to say, well, how is that dispersed? Uh, and it doesn't come up on Reuters. I don't know if you're trying to look at something that now, Chase. Yep. But this is what you have to do. It's not just say, well, it's a QQQ. It's great. Let me let me invest into it. Because there, the QQQ back in the tech boom did terrible. I mean, it, it did great, then it did terrible, obviously. So you have to understand what you're investing into. Now, if it is more diversified, yeah, it
2: might be good. Are you, you finding anything on that, Chase? Yeah, and no, I, I believe that the reason I don't like uh, this idea of index investing, Todd, is um, and, and other listeners as well, is we, we talk about how the S&P 500 is extremely concentrated. We talk about how the NASDAQ is extremely concentrated. Well, if you buy an ETF that tracks those indexes, you're getting that extreme concentration. So if I look at the QQQ, and, and I, I, I can't see, I, I don't know if it's the top 100 or if it aims to track the NASDAQ. If it's actually tracking the the top 100, I believe I read in there that that's even more concentrated in those top six okay. companies we talked about earlier. I mean, I look at Apple. Apple's 12% of the QQQ. Ooh. Microsoft is 11.5% of the QQQ. So the problem is by, by buying into this, I think you're trying to achieve some diversification and get into different tech stocks. The problem is you, you're buying the top six companies, and you're going to have about uh, gosh, I'm going to estimate here about 50 percent in just those six companies. It's going to be very, very top heavy. And if those six companies don't do well, the QQQ is not going to do well. And it's the same thing with you know, spy the S and P 500. Those indexes that that track, or excuse me, those ETFs that track the index aren't going to do well
1: if the index doesn't do well. Yeah, and it's, and again, it just comes back to uh, is really understanding what you're investing money into because just investing blindly into an ETF or an index. Uh, it may do great for you, but you've got to understand what you're investing into. And actually, Chase, as you said, I mean, that's, that's a very concentrated portfolio. We, we run a concentrated portfolio. When we buy something, uh, we'll invest 6% of that business into the portfolio. When it gets above 10, 11, 12, we start saying, okay, we better pair that back a little bit because if you have a pullback in that one position, it's going to destroy the performance of the entire portfolio. So you you just have to know what you're you're doing, and uh, and if you don't want to do that, I mean, I I, I just because uh, it did sound like you're right, like it was kind of doing index investing, like with the Nasdaq, maybe the S and P, maybe a global index, and so forth. Um, you just have to kind of understand what you're investing into because you I, could have problems.
2: I did add it up. Uh, the top five companies are 45 percent
1: of the entire index of, of the Q- of QQQ Q-Q. oh, Yeah. So so there again you have it. So it's almost like if you want that, well maybe just go and buy those top five companies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and, so. and the
2: issue that we've kind of seen is over the last couple of days is they they kind of trade together. Right. Is you know as big tech falls, other companies rise. As as big tech goes up, other companies fall, and it seems like big tech's kind of moving together. And if that trend turns back around where big tech is out of favor, the QQQ is going
1: to have some big, big problems. So, Todd, just kind of telling you and anybody else when an index investing or ETF investing, be careful to understand what you're investing in because you may not be getting the diversification that you think you're getting. All righty, phone number is 866 577 2473. Again, that's 866 577 2473. Let's head out to Coronado and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Invest Show, Brenton Chase. How can we help you?
0: Hi, good morning, guys. Just kind of following up on that truck theme, I uh, thought I'd ask you about Cummins Engine. It's been a holding of mine for years and done very well with it. You,
1: you know, and, and just thinking about that uh, and what Jennifer said before about, uh, I forget the number, 35,000, no, 300,000 trucks. Yeah. yeah, a huge yeah. number. I mean, how is this going to affect a Cummins that does all, you know, diesel and gas engine, I'm wondering. Well, don't you know that Nikola and Tesla, they're (laughs) going to have all the trucks, so it's going to hurt (laughs) Cummins. Well, let's look at Cummins to see how it's doing now, because I don't think that's going to happen soon here. But I, I think it is something you have to have in the back of your mind. That you will realize that more electrification of vehicles is coming. Is that a number of electrification? I guess it is. I think that might be a word. I just kind of made it up as I was talking. Uh, but uh, let's take a look at the, I'll go with it. okay, yeah. good. <laughs> let's take a look at Cummins Incorporated symbol CMI. Great start here, John. PE ratio 13.8 versus 30.9 for the industry. Price of sales 1.2 versus 2.3. Price of cash flow 9.8 Versus 17.3. So valuation ratios look pretty good. You get a nice dividend here, 2.8%. Uh, and, and they use about 37% of the earnings to pay that out. Uh, sales, they're down 6.7% year over year. Industry was up one3 And earnings per share for Cummins, well, they were down 8%. The initials down 8.8%. Look at the balance sheet. We see a current ratio 1.4 versus 1.9. That's okay. Debt to equity, very good. 47. The industry also good at 66, but not as good as Cummins. Uh, return to equity, 28 versus 12. That's a big positive. Net profit margin, 9.4 versus 7.3. a turnover is 6 versus 5.6. And inventory turnover looking good as well, 4.5 versus 3.9. Chase, what about the earnings going forward?
2: And yeah, one thing uh, with... The Cummins, it's always kind of concerned me a little bit, and this is actually one of the first stocks I ever bought, so I always have a little bit of an emotional <laughs> tie to it, and I did very well with it, as you kind of said, John, it's, it's done well, it's a great company, it's run very well, I remember they had this thing called the Hedgehog Engine, which they use on these big barges, and uh, it's giant, I think it was like 20 feet, <laughs> it's <a> huge, <laughs> a huge, huge engine, it was a cool company to own, but one thing that that's always concerned me slightly is Packard, the the truck manufacturer, of course, is one of their largest customers, and they occupy about 17 to 19% of their total sales. Wow. And Packard also builds their own engines for some of the trucks. So that's one relationship that that I've always been a little bit concerned on, um, and I've always kind of kept in the back of my mind. But looking at the price here, $188.24. Right near the 52-week high of $192.31, and then the 52-week low, $101.03. We go out to December 2021. I see we have estimated earnings per share on a gap basis of $10.37. Unfortunately, that would give us a target sell price of $167.99. So below that current level. And I think it's done well. It just looks a little bit pricey.
1: Yeah. And the thing, too, I, I'd be looking at, too, John, is that when you read their conference calls, which I'm, I'm hoping you do. I mean, we, we do in our companies. Uh, are you seeing that they're talking about what they're doing? electric things i mean you, you can't just put your hand in the sand and say oh it's never going to happen so what is cummins doing to kind of stay uh you know in, in the future here that they're going to be able to handle that
2: Yeah, they have different engine sources
1: i guess yeah yeah and and again they, they do have you know the, i think they do trains i think they do ships so they, they do a lot of different things but you really again have to understand the business because it is changing uh and are Ooh. they going to change with it or are they going to be left behind to be the polar camera that never changed. So you got to be careful of that. And But again, as Chase said right now, I mean, I I wouldn't be holding this. I'd be selling this and probably waiting or looking for something else to buy. All ready?
0: Okay. Got it. Thanks,
1: guys. All right. Thanks, calling, John. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. That opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866 577 2473. And before we go back to the calls, I do want to mention again about the workshop, the webinar coming up uh, August 13th. Uh, it is something that is unique. You'll never see anything like this. I promise you it's not a sales seminar. It is actually something that you will learn about investing. You'll learn about things not to do. You will learn about how the fundamental analysis works. You'll learn how to do target prices. You're going to learn about cash flow statements, all these important things to make you a smarter investor. We always tell people, do the research, do the research. We're saying, well, how do I do it? We're going to show you how to do it, but you got to sign up for the web uh, webinar, which, again, it's August 13th. It's available all day long. It is free. Go to the website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com, and uh, sign up then. All righty. Phone number is 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to Cardiff, or up to Cardiff, and speak with Brock. Brock, you're the smart vegetable brand. Chase, how can we help you?
0: Hey, Good morning, fellas. Morning. How you doing? You know, I, I'm doing. Thank you. Uh, somebody introduced me to InMed a while back. It was just a penny stock, anywhere from you know 17 to 28 cents share, but they did a, a reverse. I can't even think of the terminology because I'm so
1: a reverse stock split.
0: On the, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I think they're trying to raise money to go to the Nasdaq. I just don't know. It's you know, it's all Greek to me. Anyway, you can elaborate a little bit more on what what's going on by looking at it.
1: Um, I I did try to pull it up here, and I did you get anything on it, chase? I didn't get anything on it at all. I did. Uh, you, you
2: didn't get anything on the fundamentals. You you did or you didn't? You didn't get anything. No, on... no, no. Okay. No. Yeah, I have a I have a couple things here just to kind of point out. Uh, as you did mention, Brock, it is a penny stock. So what that means is the market cap is just thirty million dollars, and I mean that means it is just a tiny, tiny company. And what happens with these penny stocks is, I don't want to say there's a lot of fraud that can take place, but there's a lot of people that can essentially almost pump and dump the stock where they can send the price higher. But There's not going to be that much volume. So you can see the price move up quite quickly. But then if somebody sells and gets out, the price is going to move down quite quickly and you can't get out. So that's just a dangerous thing that, that always concerns me. Uh, unfortunately, I do see it's in Canadian dollars. So I don't have the current U.S. dollars. I'm guessing there might be an ADR, perhaps. There's an American Depository to have it trade on the, the stock exchange. But I think you said maybe they're looking at actually doing the NASDAQ. So I, I'm guessing they do just trade in Canada right now, which is another concern we have. It, it is just a, a big, big gamble here. I'm not even sure what they do. But they're not anticipated to have any revenue until even 2023. So this company might come up with a drug. But if they don't come up with the drug, this company is going to go out of business. So you could easily lose all your money. So this is what we call just a pure gamble, pure speculation. Um, it's uh, it's not something I would invest a lot of money into.
0: Yeah, I, 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 Luckily, I, I have not. I know people that have spent a ton of money, I mean, beyond money that I would make over my annual salary of 10 years. I'm just very conservative. Way back in the day, I made money on Titan, and I made money on, made money on AMD. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I'm... I'm betting betting a thousand, so like a very conservative investor, but I thought I'd ask. So thanks a lot and have a great weekend.
1: Hi uh, you too, Brock. Thanks for calling. Bye bye. It it is kind of difficult when you when you see these penny stocks because you can get a lot. Uh, and I think uh, Brock did say that he knew people have spent a, put a lot of money into this. I mean that you know, I, I wish the best for them, but it, 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 it doesn't look good. I, I The one thing I did notice, I did eventually find the uh, the fundamentals, the, the balance sheet, uh, they don't have much debt. It was about uh, 4.7 was a debt to equity. So that was one positive for them. But it's just such a risky thing because you're betting on the drugs and they go through all these approvals. And in the meantime, you could be kind of working through this, and then some other drug company comes out with something better, and then that company, well, you, you've lost everything now. Yeah, and I, I'm trying to remember the ticker symbol, but I remember, gosh, when I first
2: started, you know, at the firm in 2015 uh, full-time, there's this company called Tetraphase. And I forget what Mm. the drug they did was, but what happened was they had this FDA approval process they were going through. And all of a sudden, it looked good, it looked good, and then it didn't look good, and and (laughs) they didn't get approved. And that's where they were going to be hopefully relying on that revenue. And I believe the stock fell 70% in one day. One day, yeah. So, actually, I pulled up the stock chart right here. Did Uh, you find it? Was it TetraPhase? Yeah, it was TetraPhase.
1: Wow. Good Uh, good memory. (laughs) You're younger as well. It it looks like,
2: (laughs) wow, this is just insane. It looks like they have done some reverse stock splits because split adjusted, the high price that the company achieved was $973 a share. Right now, it's at $2 a share. Wow. So that's one thing that we always warn on with these pharmaceutical companies is they can go up and, oh, things look really good in the FDA approval process. And then if it doesn't look good at the end, there's no reason to hold this company and people will get out
1: of it like crazy. And you will lose maybe 80, 90 percent of your money because if, if they don't get the approval, there's nothing left because maybe they're, they're a one hit wonder. They, they've got to have that one drug hit because if it doesn't hit, they have nothing else there so you lose everything, and the other thing too, uh, reverse stock splits—that's not a good sign. I forget the number; I think it was about sixty percent of companies that do a reverse stock split end up in bankruptcy within a short time frame.
2: It's because they're trying to still maintain listing requirements to, yep. to stay on those exchanges, so they're they're almost just trying to battle the the stock price, and it's like, oh, wow, now we're only worth. You know, $20 million, so you have to keep raising your stock
1: price by issuing or uh, issuing more shares. Or is the the opposite? Uh, yeah, yeah, reverse stock split, you're going to have less shares. Yeah, yeah. Because what you're trying to do is raise the share price. Because uh, what was the price of that stock? Did you remember? Uh, it was $5.69. Okay. so that's not too bad. Because there are listing requirements. I forget what they are for the NASDAQ and the, the, the uh, uh, all, S&P. S&P and everything. That you got to have a certain stock price, depending on where one you're going on. And so many companies, when they get down to the two, three, four, the the single digits, they'll do a reverse stock split to make the stock price look higher, like, oh, it's a $20 stock. But, again, we've talked about the other side, too, is a stock split. It doesn't do anything to the fundamentals. It just changes the number of or the dollar amount of the share.
2: Yeah, it's a big difference between buying back stock. And then doing a stock split or a reverse stock split. So they're, they're, those are two completely different things that you got to watch out for. And as I'm saying, you know, it's not the S and P 500. It's that's the index. It's the New York Stock Exchanges. He yeah, said out. that. I, said, no, I don't think it's the S and P 500. I was
1: like, wait, no, that's not it. Yeah, yeah. You don't have that many exchanges. So you got the the Nasdaq and, and the New York Stock Exchange. Only two that you really. have. And
2: as I kind of mentioned to Brock, the big problem yeah. is if a company gets delisted the liquidity of that investment is so much lower. So you could see just wild price right. price movements because it's trading on what we call the pink sheets or over-the-counter mm-hmm. or the Canadian Stock Exchange. So not as much liquidity that you have in the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ. So that's why the price movements can look just great. And you're wow, I'm doing great, I'm doing great. And all of a sudden... You try and sell, and you can't sell it at that price because yeah. there's not the,
1: the demand out there. And I can make sure that I correct myself because I said there's only, those are the only two stock exchanges. Those are only two main stock exchanges because you do have the, the, the over-the-counter. You have Pacific Exchange. You co- so you have other smaller exchanges, but you don't want to be on those because not much activity. You, the, the two main ones you want to be on is the NASDAQ or the New York. That's where you get most of the action and most of the people investing. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, gosh, I, I looked down. I was going to open the phone lines again. But shoot, we only got about the three minutes left here. Um, I was. Should we take a quick look at Mattel? You kind of looked at Mattel already. Or you. I was, you I was thinking maybe Hasbro because okay. Mattel
2: concerned me with the. Uh, you know what that symbol is? Hasbro. I think it's H A
1: S. I might be. Yep, that's it. H A S like has. has. Oh, that's that's a pretty cool one. I can't forget that one. So, and I think Hasbro has done better over the years. Let's just run all the numbers real quick for the next uh, few minutes here. Coming against Hasbro Incorporated, symbol H A S, PE ratio good start here. Chase twenty four versus seventy nine. Price of sales two point one versus one point seven. Price to book value not material. is twenty two for the industry. And price of cash will 17 versus 21. Now, you do get a decent dividend, 3.5%. They use 84% of the earnings to pay that out. We do see sales were up 10.8%, better than the industry at 6.6%. I like this as well. Earnings per share over the last 12 months, year over year, grew by 18.7%. Industry was down, 8.3%. Oh, shoot, what I don't like here is another debt company. Current ratio, 1.9, about the same as the industry. But debt to equity for Hasbro... 192 versus 73 for the industry. I don't know why it's that high. I do not like seeing that. That worries me. Uh, Return on equity is 19 versus 7.8. Net profit margin, 8.4 versus 2. Inventory turnover is 4.9, about the same as the industry. And receivable turnover, not very good, 5.4 versus 11.6. Are the earnings for Hasbro looking good?
2: Well, looking at the current price, (coughs) $77.59. 52-week high, $126.87. And 52-week low. Forty-one dollars and thirty three cents. So wow, it just <laughs> fell off a cliff there down to the fifty-two week low. Yeah. But looking out to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, four dollars and twelve cents. Unfortunately, that gives a target sell price of sixty-six dollars and seventy-four cents. So while well, I'm excited about the toy industry doing well, it seems like these stocks are just not a intriguing
1: investment at this time. I don't know what's going on in the toy world. Why is there so much debt there? <laughs> I, I, I don't It could be from acquisitions. I, I, I don't know, you know, buy uh, other ones there. Uh, I did notice only seven analysts follow it. But the other thing that could happen, Chase, too, is that, you know, we, we just discovered this. It just kind of came out pretty new on, on the toys being, you know, uh, consumed so much by parents and so forth. So maybe that's not worked into the analyst estimates yet going forward, or perhaps they think, which we hope as well, that by the end of the year, COVID will be, COVID what? It's all over. <laughs> and then kids back to school. And actually the CDC came out uh, yesterday. Uh, where is that? And, and they were actually recommended uh, urging in-person learning for schools. So that could change them as well. So. Scared me there. Yeah, no scared <laughs> me too. About yeah. the bell. <laughs> I forgot the bell. That's a closing bell. <laughs> so, all right. Thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as an investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail uh, your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information on investment tips, go to our Facebook group page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thomson Reuters. Closing song performed by... Uh, Roman Palacios. Have a great week. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show.
2: And may I say,
0: not in a